Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast with Adam Glinsky and Albert Imperato, where we help men connect and build empathy. So Albert, um, nice day today. We got some uh, cool stuff going on here. Just want to check in and see how you're doing. Is it very cold in, in Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, it's like, you know, upper 30s, low 40s right now. But no, we had a cold yeah, snap earlier this week. Yeah, I think it's 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 colder here. So I have the uh, the first uh, time out for the, the heavyweight iron heart flannel. Oh, yeah, the UHF. Good stuff. Yeah, I busted that out earlier this week. I got the uh, the first CPO they did, um, the, the over-dyed CPO. So I like what, this. Guy. What nice makes it a CPO? Podcast. What does CPO stand for? Corporal Petty Officer, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so like a military vibe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a naval thing. I'm not sure if that's that's right. I could Google it, but so I'm, over, like, I'm over like 95 dyed, on that. Is it black or super deep blue? It is. So originally it was dyed indigo, and then it was like uh, dumped in a vat of like boiling black dye. So it's both. So it originally was indigo dyed and then dyed black. So it kind of fades to like this grayish bluish color. It's really Beautiful. neat. It looks great. You had it a long time? Oh, yeah. This is the first uh, shirt I ever got. Well, no, no. Um, second one I ever got. So well, I've had this I, for seven years now, eight years. I, I bought mine. Um, I bought it from someone. I actually didn't buy it retail. I bought it from someone. And uh, use market's uh, great. <laughs> it's really warm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why it's called Buffalo Plaid because I've never seen a, a plaid buffalo, but it's got to be a reason. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm digging this shirt, but you got me you got me hooked on the iron heart, dude. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Yeah, I got uh, two of those flannels, and they're so warm, really Love warm. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to actually uh, washing it a bit more and softening it up. So, oh yeah, I definitely yeah. threw mine through a, a hot wash and dry, and it's great. Got it all nice uh, and what was your week up. like? You had a good week. Uh, I had an interesting week, you know, uh, my ankle was killing me on Monday and kind of bled into the rest of the week, but I'm feeling a little bit better. I was actually able to do yoga twice. So that is very uplifting for me and something I really enjoy. So very happy so that I can do that. Yeah. Being able to do your, your uh, routine, your physical fitness routine. That's really, really important. Yeah. I am a big advocate of having a very, uh, scripted, and kind of like dialed in morning and I've been thrown off my routine for so long. It makes me a little crazy, but you know, along those lines, I feel like, you know, um, productive is better than perfect when it comes to your day. So I've, well, I've been trying to really just hone in on that message because sometimes I don't get to do exactly what I want to do in the morning because it's baby or something else. But, um, you know, I'm working with it. I'm hoping, uh, this Monday I can get back to it, wake up again at like four 30 and start crushing it from five on. 4.30. Whoa. Yeah. yeah I, 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 love- I want to do a show in the future about early, quiet, what you can do in a couple of hours in the morning if you set aside the time. It's, it's kind of re- revelatory. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's this kind of like hidden privacy, you know, at, at those kind of like twilight hours. One of my other favorite things to do is take like a little walk um, while the sun hasn't, you know, risen yet. And, you know, there's still like a car here or two going there, but it's really private in the, the, you know, morning hours. So yeah, I sort of I, get that in town in Manhattan. I mean, you, there's no such thing as quiet in New York city, like full quiet, mm-hmm. but actually before the sun comes up, you realize that there's millions of people in very, very close proximity and there's quiet and there's something really very powerful about it. It's, it's very beautiful. Sometimes definitely. I'll just look out. I have a beautiful view looking East. So I actually see the sun come up through this, through the buildings 
And uh, that moment when it's really quiet, you you just feel like, wow, it's hard to believe that this becomes this cacophony just a couple of hours later with people jostling around. Yep. It's, it's, it's really quite beautiful. It is. Yeah. One of my favorite times of the day is, is that early, early morning. So, Hey, we got a couple things on the uh, agenda today. So we wanted to talk about biggest one is, is parents. How about them? So, you know, yeah, uh, one of those, one of those weeks, um, once again, just, you think the week is going to be about one thing and then it becomes about another, mm-hmm. you know, in, in so many ways, the way that we look at our lives, though that it really all is, is at the moment in a certain way. At that day where you're having a great day, you see the sort of summary of your life is like, oh my God, I'm having a great day. And, and almost nothing that happened before that was terrible even matters. You're just having a great day. Uh, it's the same, you know, it's kind of powerful. Uh, in, in a way, it, it, you just string together a couple of good days and you've had a great life. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this week, I was just busy. Uh, very, very busy with work, which is which is good when you're when you run your own business. Um, just uh, very, very busy. First, from first thing in the morning meetings, first thing in the morning, and because I'm a music promoter, I go to a lot of concerts. I was out late and basically had no time to really decompress, except for the meditation time. Mm-hmm. Thanks to your inspiration, doing my ten <laughs> percent happier app. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, the week kind of went by, and I kind of really enjoyed it. It was thrilling. I heard some amazing music. I, I, it was really thrilling. But, uh, this morning, a friend of mine, uh, one of my very best friends called me and he was heading to the funeral of his dad and his uh, dad died just five weeks after he had lost his mom. Man. And, uh, so he lives in California and had to travel to Kentucky to, uh, to, you know, bury his mom. And then five weeks later, uh, same thing with his dad. I mean, they were in their 80s. It was a very loving couple. They were together for like 70 years and had a happy, beautiful life. And they were good parents. And, and my friend adored them. Um, but, you know, he called me today and it just, you know, it made me think of my own, my own parents and just how powerful that relationship is with parents. And uh, also Monday is, the, is the, my mom's birthday. My mom died, mm, yeah. what, seven years ago? eight years ago. So November is always, always a little bit of a rough month. My brother who died, you know, 10 years before my mom, his, he, he was a November birthday too. So November brings, you know, more yeah. happy memories too and joyous mm-hmm. memories and funny memories. But, you know, with my friend calling me today, it, it just set off a little bit of uh, wow. Holy smokes. I'm at that age 57 where a lot of my friends now are dealing with, with loss, you know, for the first time, some of them, Definitely. Yeah. So I mean, what you said is, you know, November, you know, brings out some of the, the emotions and and turmoil. And I think, you know, gearing up for the holidays, you know, definitely for some people can do that, but for you specifically, I mean, your losses and, you know, your joys and your times, you know, they they can definitely bring up a lot of, a lot of emotions and you kind of got to know how to process them. So I'm very happy that you're doing meditation and you're reflecting onto that because that can give you uh, a different perspective for it. And another one thing you said was, you, uh, you know, just had that moment and, you know, just like, you know, one moment, everything can change. And down in a notebook I have in my bedroom, I have one sentence written up at the top and it says, honor the moment. And that's really powerful to me because it says, Hey, wherever you're at, like whatever you're doing, you know, if you're frustrated or if you're just really tired or, you know, you want to get something accomplished, 
you know, I, I talk to you a lot in my bedroom because it's like, hey, I can just shut that door and just kind of, you know, hey, just I, I need a little bit of space, but you know, just honor the moment and honor where you're at. And I think that um, just really, it really gets me through a lot of things because, you know, the present is a present and you need to enjoy that. I mean, that's the, the essence of mindfulness, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying, I've been really trying with, with the meditation practice that, that uh, I've been doing. Just, I'm amazed just how different the, the, the experience is, the challenge of, oh, okay, my first thing I'm doing as I'm meditating, I'm focusing on that. But then when I'm done, I'm trying to be in, in that moment, um, honor the, honoring the moment by having that moment at my windowsill, enjoying Quiet City. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, you know, if we, if we were putting in some music, we put on some Copeland. He actually wrote a piece called Quiet City. And I think... I think that piece is a really powerful piece because um, we we really crave very contradictory things in our life, and that 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 contrast is very powerful to us. We want stimulation, and then we want we want peace and quiet. And we in a relationship, we want thrills, but we want coziness. This constant desire of of, of opposites is is very powerful, um, and. You know that that is the challenge to, to honoring the moment. I think is that we're we are being constantly pulled in different directions, and and it is true. I'm feeling a little bit in the last couple of weeks that I've been doing this, uh, the meditation of, you know, identifying it, seeing. Oh, I'm talking to Adam, but I'm actually think possibly thinking about something else, and that's that's just a distraction. I'm talking to Adam. Honor the moment and figure. Listen to what Adam's saying. Get the most out of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like sometimes the mind is like a drunk toddler, you know, it's just going all the crazy places. It's trying to pull you left and right and go up and down. And, and you, you, know, and you got the toddler right there. I know. Yeah. So it's very, uh, a very real image for me of, you know, my son just up and down and then just tripping over himself and then falling down and then just going, eh, I don't know, let me stick my finger in my mouth. So yeah, yeah, only, have to, only life were that simple. I remember that SNL character, the corporate baby, remember corporate baby character? <laughs> yeah. I love that character. I mean, every once in a while in my office, when I'm like freaking out over the pressure of it, I just want to be corporate baby. <laughs> yeah. And they even, uh, they made like a whole TV series and movies now. It's called like Boss Baby, where there's like a whole oh, yeah, Boss Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've watched uh, almost all those with, with our son. So he just so, likes, you know, the big, the big flashing colors and stuff like that. One, one of the things, that really struck me this morning when my friend called me is your, you know, we talked about your connection with your dad. I, you know, I had a, a kind of an odd relationship with my dad. My dad mm-hmm. was kind of a, kind of a hard to know guy. You know, he was always working. He was a small businessman. I think he planted in me the desire to be my own businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for him actually after school in high school, I actually quit playing sports in high school. Because he, I wanted a car and I saw and fell in love with this Fiat convertible spider. And it was, it was a secondhand car and I saw it for sale and I was like, wow, like, boy, did I want that more than anything I'd ever wanted. And my dad was like, "Um, I'm going to buy you that car and you're going to have to work after school to pay for it. And I basically quit all of my social activities in, in early years of high school. Uh, drove down 25 minutes in my little my little new car 
to work for my dad. And it was so funny growing up. I was always thought of in amongst the two sons closer to my dad. Um, I looked more like his side of the family. And, uh, but at the same token, you know, we, it's a very long story to explain our estrangement, but we were, we eventually, you know, my parents divorced. My dad kind of resented that I sort of supported my mom and, and her take on why their marriage was failing. And we didn't really know that a lot of his tough behavior that came up was, he was bipolar and he obviously, the trigger of the divorce had set off some very bad stuff in him that at the time was not sorted out and understood. So many years later, he came back into my life and we, we didn't actually patch it up really. And that's a story for an extra, for an extra show. But um, I guess what I really realized um, talking to my friend this morning is I'm, I have an, a really kind of reverential awe for fathers and sons who, st- who stick together. I think that a father who's really present and there for their son is the great, it's just an incredibly great and powerful gift. Um, and I think that in reverse, I, c- I can imagine the son uh, providing things to a father that is just so overwhelmingly beautiful and positive. So I just want to just throw a salute out there. Anyone who's thinking that they've not made that much of their lives or enough of their lives, if they've been a good father or a good son, give yourself a slap on the back and be grateful. I mean, that is a, that's an achievement. Probably one of the most important achievements you'll ever have. If uh, That's it. I honestly believe that. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree with you too. So, I mean, I, I'm very happy to say that I have a great relationship with my father. I mean, he was my hero. I mean, he just, he taught me so much and, you know, he was always so cool and calm. You know, I mean, obviously he had had a couple of outbursts. No one's perfect. But I mean, if I had to think of someone who is very calm, collected, productive, and just driven, I think of my father. He, you know, small business owner as well. And, you know, went to work and did his thing. And I really respect him for that. He provided for our family our whole lives. Um, and But he was also super interested in me getting a good education and learning. And he taught me so much. I mean, he taught me sports, he taught me math, he taught me science, all of the things. And he taught me a lot of life lessons too. So I don't know where I would be without him. So I'm very happy, very, very happy and grateful for my did father. So you, I love you dad. Musica- musicality from him as well? Is he musical? No, I, he is not musically not inclined. Uh, that, um, you know, my mom supported me a lot in the music. She got me a lot of lessons when I was younger and she would never shy away from me expressing that, you know, definitely played the uh, pots and pans drum set in the kitchen floor. I remember having that memory of just banging and banging and banging and just, you know, raising a little bit of hell on my own. Um, What do you think someday down the road we'll uh, get dad on the show? You think he'd have fun with the show or? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's always down for these projects. Would he hog the spotlight? Would he, would he yield? Like what, what, what what kind of guess would your dad make? (laughs) Like I said, he's a very relaxed guy, you know, Um, you know, some dads they are like, Oh, I wouldn't do that. And then they just get on the picture and they're like, wow, they, they ham it up. Yeah. I mean, my dad's always been a part of it. I actually made a documentary in high school of my brother and my dad and their hunting adventures. Not anything I really participated in because at that time it was real early in the morning and I didn't enjoy waking up that early. Um, and being cold and being alone uh, out in the forest. So 
but I did eventually, you know, uh, go out with my brother and, you know, film him um, on some hunts and, you know, filmed my dad too. And he's, he's always been, uh, you know, down for that kind of stuff. So are, I'm are sure he, he might that? enjoy it. Are they still getting together sometimes and going hunting? Well, my brother lives in uh, Kansas now. So, um, yeah, not what, so much. What does he do out there? He's a welder. A welder? Yeah. That means he has that cool helmet, that really cool helmet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. Yeah, so, so yeah, my dad, my dad was kind of a quiet guy. He, was, he, he had a great laugh. I remember when, when I was a kid going to, you know, certain comedies and, you know, like Aunt Mel Brooks movies. My father... Uh, like blazing saddles, you know, when they're, when they're sitting around the campfire with the baked beans. I mean, my father would laugh. He would cry. He would laugh. So I have very strong memories, very positive memories, actually, of my dad, like howling with laughter. He also famously had a gas problem. I mean, <laughs> I, I literally grew up uh, with a dad who was famous, famous in the, in the, in the area, in the neighborhood, in the region, possibly as having some of the worst farts ever. I mean, just there, there's a story of us being down in Seaside Heights in a car, <laughs> in a car driving in Seaside Heights, uh, Heights, New Jersey, going to the beach. And my dad let one go and locked the doors and windows. <laughs> there was like four or five of my friends in the car and a panic ensued. We were just panicking to get out of the car. And my dad pulled over because he was, <laughs> he was laughing so hard that he couldn't drive. He could like he had to pull over. He was <laughs> laughing so hard. And I'll, this is true. I remember getting out of the car. He finally let the, the lock open. I remember there was a guy on a ladder, kind of not that far away, you know, fixing the gutter. And you could see he kind of covered his nose, like shit, like, man, I smell something funky. <laughs> That's how bad my dad was. So, you know, every once in a while I'm like, well, some dads are remembered for the most monumental things and the smallest. You know, my dad, my dad was gaseous. You know, my dad was a very gaseous man. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to go down in, in history for our family. I mean, we definitely let him rip, but. Uh, <laughs> All right. So now. One thing that <laughs> I, I honestly remember my dad for is first honesty. Uh, he would always tell me straight, like what's, what's going on. And, you know, that, that's something I really treasure because, you know, not everyone tells you the truth and, you know, kind of spares you all the details or gives you, you know, the white, you know, the white lie version of it. My dad gave it to me straight and I, I really appreciated that and I value that. So I think that's why, and I, you know, just value honesty so much. It's so important in all of my relationships and, you know, all of just talking. I just think being honest is, is so pure. And you know, another it? thing is you can always protect yourself with the truth. So, I mean, that's well, just even, one thing that so I really funny value. People sometimes think that, that lying can protect them from, somehow from the truth. But I'm just curious, when your dad was honest with you, was it sort of like, hey, Adam, you should be thinking about something you're not thinking about or doing something you're not doing? Or is it more telling you the truth about the way the, wor- the world worked? Or is it a little bit of both? Yeah, it's pretty much both. I mean, he was very into science. He has a, a PhD in, in science and mathematics. So oh, uh, he was very factual and, you know, more logic based. So yeah, just how the world works, you know, how to think, uh, on there too. But he was definitely more, more logic side of, of it. My mom was more of the, you know, this is how you should think, you know, have an open mind. So that wow. kind of got both sides of, of the coin there from my parents. So I'm very, very happy about that. Smart parents. 
Well, I, it just popped into my brain. So I'll just share it with you. But um, yeah, my, like I said, my dad was kind of, he was just mysterious. He was quiet. He was a great baseball player. My dad actually was a minor league baseball player. Okay. He had a bad injury and eventually wound up not, uh, not pursuing a baseball career. Um, but he loved sports. He was a great baseball player, basketball player, tremendous. He was really quite a tremendous athlete, actually. But, um, you know, during our, it was really during high school, um, during the second half of high school. So I was working with him and seeing him every day um, after work. And, but my parents' marriage, you know, ran into trouble and crashed right in the middle of my high school years, which definitely threw a couple of uh, monkey wrenches in the works. Um, yeah. you know, uh, that was not easy for me. I was very much caught in the middle of my parents' divorce. It was, it was pretty brutal actually. And my dad's anger, he really wanted me to help him, you know, deal with my mom in a way he wanted me to somehow like, he was always say, straighten out your mom. Like, I'm like, I'm 15. What, <laughs> what are you, yeah, what are what you supposed, supposed to do? To do? Like, mediate their just relationship? Listen to her dad. He's, she's not being unreasonable. She's trying to talk to you and you're being crazy. Um, and anyway, it devolved and, and my mom and, you know, moved out of the house. My mom moved out and I was living in the house cause I didn't want to leave my high school. My dad was moved out as well. So I was like a high school kid living alone in the suburbs in a big house, like a big, beautiful house actually. And I started acting out a little bit, partying. I mean, I, I remember a party, 200 kids in my house and we trashed the house. I mean, I was mixture of ang- like very free and crazy, but also rebellious and angry. And my, you know, my dad, my dad would come home unexpectedly and we would have these crazy brawls. I mean, he, I mean, he would kind of chase me around sometimes trying to, trying to nail me, trying to, you know, he'd have his belt out ready to give me a uh, slap. Yeah, he never actually <laughs> landed one. Um, but it was slightly horrifying. Um, but through all that, you know, I wound up going, getting, thanks to my brother, getting applications to go to college. And I went to Stanford. I mean, I didn't even think about college. I thought I was going to work for my dad and take over his business. And suddenly my brother got me this application to this school and he told me it was a great school. I didn't know anything about colleges. And I literally, you know, I went because there was palm trees on the cover of the brochure. And I was like, damn, that looks beautiful. And I don't even know how I got in. My brother helped me, helped me write essays but I'll never forget it because amidst all this turmoil with my dad where he looked literally often like he was just foaming at the mouth to try to, you know, do harm to me. Uh, just like I said, he was so frustrated. He didn't know. And it was, this was the bipolarity, uh, bipolarity speaking, I think. He didn't know what to do. Um, and amidst all this, I get into college and it's my, my, my dad takes me to the airport. And it's probably the strongest image in my mind. My dad and I barely talked in the, in the car and he drove me out to Newark airport. And uh, I'll never forget. He walked, you know, the security was a little different then. It wasn't quite as heavy, heavily secure back. We we're talking, I went to college in 1980 and uh, I walked up that gangplank, you know, to go to the gate the security gate where he could not follow me because he didn't have a ticket. And I'll never forget it. He, we didn't speak in the car and we didn't speak in the airport. And I turned around and he just busted out bawling. And you could tell 
he was really sorry probably for everything that had happened. And I could see in his face, he was not only loved me, he was really proud. His, I think it was his dream to have one of his sons go to like a serious, important school. You know, my brother went to, to Boston University in Fordham, but his relationship with my dad was even worse. But I think underneath it all, I think my dad was, uh, you know, having a moment of realizing, wow, his, his kid's going to Stanford. Holy shit. And it was, it was the most powerful memory. It's the, it's the positive, the most beautiful memory I have of my dad. You know, postscript, many years later, I was a vice president at a music company. My first week on the job as the boss, the big boss, running a record label. I was running the U.S. arm of a major record label. My first week on my job, my dad showed up out of nowhere. I had not heard from him for 10 years and uh, showed up in my lobby of my building, came up uh, right in the middle of a staff meeting. And this man got off the elevator and I, did, I could barely recognize him. He was half the size. He was much grayer, much older looking. And uh, he just said, you know, I'm came by to tell you, I, you know, like to make peace with you. Um, I'm, I've, I'm dying, basically. I've got cancer. Um, I'm bipolar. You know, wow, I didn't ever knew this. And, um, you know, I was, well, needless to say, that was a lot. That was a lot happening. Yeah, that's a pretty heavy moment right there. Yes. Just, you know. It was pretty heavy. And, you know, the clincher, the sad clincher, is that he wanted to make peace with me and my sister, but didn't want to make peace with my brother. Ooh. And so I just was like, you know, I really couldn't do that to myself or to my sister or to my brother. And so I, it was the hardest decision in my life. I did not, I did not try. I did not move it beyond that. And that was the last time I saw my dad. Whoa. So, you know, it's taken a long time and I made peace with that. And like I said, that story of him uh, there with me at the airport, you know, that's enough for me now. Now I, I know my dad really loved me. I think, I think, um, you know, too bad, too bad we didn't get to know each other better. Too bad mm-hmm. we didn't have that, you know, adult phase of our relationship. But, but also probably explains how I relate to other men and how I'm constantly trying to make these very powerful friendships and connections with people because that French, that connection with my dad was, was not complete. It wasn't, you know, it it had its limitations. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's super tough to deal with and wow. It's especially, you know, turning that, that opportunity down. I mean, that's, that's a big decision in your life and, you know, probably based on everything that happened, you know, in high school and before that, it's the reason why. What strikes me about that story is, you know, I, I know a couple friends that, you know, their parents got divorced at different times in their life. And it's definitely led to relationship issues and, you know, definitely some mental issues as well. I haven't done any research on this, but, you know, I'm sure there's some type of correlation between, you know, uh, parental communication and parental relationships and then, you know, relationships down the line. You know, it's, it must be hard to, you know, seek acceptance and seek, you know, understanding and appreciation from under other people when you're not receiving that from a parent. And, you know, just saying that right now just makes me want to just love my son even more and just give him everything because, you know, he didn't choose me, you know, like he, he just kind of, you know, this, this is, 
cards he was dealt. And, you know, I need to, to honor that and be the best father that I can be and, you know, show him the ropes of life and the good, the bad, and the ugly to make sure that he's a successful person. And, you know, so. Well, for what mean, you said, you had, you had your dad gave you the great example and yeah. I, it's kind of hard to imagine you're not going to be <laughs> one heck of a dad. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying, so I'm going to give it my best effort and you know, just, really, just go full circle. I mean, I was very blessed. I had, you know, I, I had an absolutely remarkable mom. My mom was just you know, an epically great mom. Yeah. My mom was a total superstar mom. So it was not like, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like for someone who's estranged from both their parents. I can't even imagine what that would do. But um, anyway, I only got, like I said, I, I only got thinking about this all because my friend called me He on his way. Literally, he was getting dressed to go. And I think he was kind of working through his nerves about, doing the eulogy for his dad today. So anyway, I dedicate, dedicate this, uh, this show to my buddy, Philip and his, and his beautiful family in in Kentucky. And, uh, just grateful. He's been like a brother, brother to me. Maybe, maybe I'll actually come on, on the show someday and you'll meet Philip. He's he's amazing, amazing friend. Uh, Philip, I'm so sorry for your loss and I hope you remember the good times. Well, wow. Thanks bro. I appreciate it. What do you think? Do you, uh, you got some other stuff going on? Do you want to uh, sign off for the day? Yeah, I just want to say um, one last thing before we sign off. And that's, again, circling back to, to honor the moment. But, you know, when we talk about death and we talk about family, you know, it's really hard to understand and actualize and, you know, embrace your own mortality. You have only so many minutes and seconds and hours and days and years on this earth. So make the most of it and cultivate those relationships and, you know, really be thankful for, for every day that you have on here. Cause just like you said, at a moment's notice, anything can change. So again, honor the moment. This has been Veer Vulnerabilis Veer with Adam Glinsky. And Albert Imperato. Thank you for listening. Thanks bro.